This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Whiskey Business is brought to you by the law offices of Saya and Pyatt and by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Demons, monsters, and no, not the movie-made ones, and not the supernatural beings that some believe and claim to be and have been possessed by. No, I'm talking about the ones that potentially lurk in the shadows and have no bias or preference as to who they take hold of. Rich, poor, man, woman, sometimes child, so long as they can control and ultimately destroy them. What am I talking about? All right. Have you ever been accused of having an addictive personality? I don't know. That's what you're thinking to yourself. Well, I'm not a doctor or profess to be an expert, but let me ask you this. Do you exhibit a set of personality traits that make you somewhat predisposed to addictions? Are you impulsive? Yeah, you might say. Yeah, sometimes I am. Thrill-seeking? Yeah, yeah, I'll do something crazy every now and again. Are you a nonconformist? Do you socially alienate yourself? Are you more than tolerant of deviant behavior? Now, if you answer to any of this with something like, well, one time I, I binged watched every season of Game of Thrones for two weeks straight to get caught up, I wouldn't say you have an addictive personality. I would say you have entirely too much time on your hands. Addiction, on the other hand, and once again, I'm not an expert, but I believe addiction is a reliance on a substance or behavior that an individual has little or no power to resist. Coffee, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, gambling, eating disorders, compulsive shopping, exercise, and now in today's new world, even cell phones and anything that can keep us on the internet. Now, that being said, if you've listened to every episode of Whiskey Business and anxiously await each new installment, that, my friends, is not an addiction. <laughs> That's just good taste and solid judgment. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. I am your host, Dino Trapos, along with my producer extraordinaire, Greg Hansberry. And tonight, Hansberry, a very special whiskey business as our guest bottle is no bottle no bottle you know on this show we've sampled now up to 55 different whiskeys and we have a lot of fun uh discussing the whiskeys and on certain episodes we've tipped the bottle a little harder than other times we've had uh amazing guests but we have no bottle tonight because uh our guest tonight is a very special one and he joins us this evening to talk about, um, let's call it the dark side of whiskey business, if you will. 
My guest is, we're going to call him by his first name only for the sake of anonymity. My guest is Matt, and Matt, you are? I'm an alcoholic. Those words. Yeah. The first time you said them out loud, how did you feel when you actually admitted that to yourself? Well, the first time I probably said the words out loud, I was a teenager, but the first time I said them out loud and I knew what they actually meant, um, a sense of relief and a tremendous amount of fear. And when, when you did, when you actually said it out loud, did you, did you immediately do something about it or was this just uh, you know, something that you had to hear it out loud in your own voice? Did you know before you actually said it that you were an alcoholic? I've known I was an alcoholic my entire life. I didn't accept it until the consequences were so high and um, the actual disease was presented to me and I knew what I had. I could identify with the disease. And at that point, um, and I was told there was actually um, a program of recovery, that there was a, a way out of this. Um, yeah, I was all in. And we should mention that you are a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, I, I took my last drink on October 15th, 2014, and I haven't found it necessary to take a drink yet today, so um, I sit here safe. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, now you said you've known you were an alcoholic your entire life. I should, I should let the audience know that, uh, that Matt and I have been friends for a long, long time. We've had some amazing escapades <laughs> over the course of the years when when we've uh, partaken and drinking in fact at one point i'm going you know uh, i was looking at our latest text thread going back and forth yeah. you know discussing tonight's podcast and there were some other previous text messages up there still from 2012 oh god <laughs> yeah i'll share those with yeah. you i'll share those with you just in just a little <laughs> bit but you said you've known your entire life you were an alcoholic. Now, when we were hanging out on a more regular basis, uh, we would all meet, meet up with our friends and, and we would drink and you would come to Monday Night Poker and we'd play cards. You seem no different than the rest of us as far as, you know, what we were, we were getting together with friends and having a good time. You, and at the end of the night, everybody went home safely, as did you. At least that's what I thought. When you say you've known that you've been an alcoholic your entire life. What does that mean? How do you, how do you clarify that? Well, when I took my first drink at 13, uh, pretty much like most, most people of my age, you know, I'm 43. So that seemed about right. Um, what it did for you guys wasn't what it did for me. When I took my first drink, the world absolutely balanced out. I was okay with you. I was most importantly, okay with myself. And from that first beer, I knew I had to continue doing this, and it made no sense not to. Um, that's the difference between an alcoholic and maybe a heavy drinker or, or someone who doesn't have a problem. The, the disease of alcoholism is one that lives in my mind, um, and then my body doesn't process it the same way. About one in ten of us can't drink safely, but yet we don't get any, any pre-knowledge of that. And um, I have a brain that tells me um, alcohol um, will fix whatever problem I have, and I have a body that doesn't process it the right way. An ongoing debate that exists is to whether uh, in a, 
an addictive personality exist. Do you feel you have an addictive personality? No, I don't really think there's such a thing. Um, I'll tell you and, real easy. And that's when, that's where the debate comes in. Go yeah. ahead. Well, here's, here's the way I would clarify the debate. Um, an addiction would be, some, say I had an addiction to coffee or some kind of food, something that I just compulsively ate. I could stop that with willpower. There's a massive problem out there right now with opiates and fentanyl, things right. of that nature, right? If you take all three of us, or say you take 10 people, you put them in a room, and you give them all an opiate, same dosage for an entire month, at the end of that month, theoretically, all those people will be chemically dependent on opiates. We tend to call that addiction. If you take those same 10 people, put them in a room, and give them all Jack Daniels for the same amount of time, at the end of that, only one out of the 10 will be an alcoholic because he was born that way anyway, and he will be convinced he's just like the other nine people. And that's where the debate rages on because one side believes that there are traits that exist in a person uh, making them more prone to uh, develop addictions, and then there's the other side that'll tell you it's in the chemistry, that that it's, it's how the brain synapses you know, respond to to all the uh, neurotransmitters and has absolutely nothing to do with one's personality. So you're saying it's in you. I'm saying in my experience, um, I did my cocaine, your cocaine, a lot of people's, and I, fi- I quit that cold turkey. I've stopped doing things cold turkey in my life. I absolutely could not stop drinking on my own, period. At it's, all? It, no, it's, it, it, it is singular in... In its way, it affects me unlike any other substance. Um, it, and, and, that's, and that's the great part of the clarity of it is if I'm able to, to do the things I need to do to keep alcohol out of me, I can do anything else I want to do. And I'm not talking about substances. I'm talking about just a free life. Um, I, was, I was bound by alcohol once I put it in my body. Um, and that's no one's fault. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. I'm not, I, I can't blame it on anything. Um, it's, it's not circumstantial. Um, it, it is, in my opinion, in my experience rather than opinion, it's chemistry. It's just who I am. And I know other people like me. I've run into people over the course of the years who have had drinking problems. Mm-hmm. And they've said this. Uh, no, I don't want to drink. I used to be an alcoholic. And then I hear some people say, no, no drink for me. I'm in recovery. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. The people that say, I used to be an alcoholic, is that bullshit? I would never call any, anyone out on bullshit. I would, um, I, I couldn't, the, 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 the vernacular doesn't make sense to me. Um, I am an alcoholic. I'm, I'm either an alcoholic who's drinking or an alcoholic who's not drinking. Um, I can be an alcoholic who's working a program of recovery. Or I can be an alcoholic who's not. Um, you know, I, I think you either are or aren't an alcoholic. And um, if you identify with that, what you choose to do with it, what you choose to say about it is, is completely up to you. There is no right or wrong. So you don't consider it to be um, from, a, from a self-esteem uh, label a harsh label to say that no I'm an alcoholic. No, I I had nothing to do with it. You know I'd, I'd and I wonder if those people that say I used to be an alcoholic say I used to be an alcoholic because they don't want that stigma sure. anymore. You know I and I can understand that, but you know I'm five foot six and a half. I would have liked to dunk a basketball. It ain't gonna fucking happen. <laughs> so you know I mean there's some things that need to be accepted. I'm an alcoholic. You know and um and and I can't safely drink. Now I can do whatever that with what I want. There's a lot of liquor in this house. I can drink right now. You probably wouldn't let me, but if I needed to, I'd go down the street and get a drink. Right. If I just you don't want to. to. And I need to do the things to make sure I don't want one. So for all those years that, you know, we were all together drinking, and I am one of the, I mean, there's 
there is a lot of myth and mythology about my consumption yes. <laughs> o- o- over the years. And there's been these isolated incidents where people have seen it and say, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's got to be a high-functioning alcoholic, which explain that term to me, a high-functioning alcoholic. Do you consider yourself to, at one point to have been that, a high-functioning alcoholic? Because you maintained a job. You had In the good alcohol job. field. <laughs> In the <laughs> alcohol field, but you had good jobs. Yeah. Yeah, I was successful yes. in my career. Yeah, but um, you know, and and I'll tell you about how bad it got. But um, in my career, um, I was able to drink somewhat professionally. And I don't want to try to give away you know any any part of who I am. But um, I, I um, I was able to see. And here's the, let me just clarify something um, about addiction and dependency. Um, I had a career. Um, where I was able to drink all day long. Um, so I went to the point, of, I went to the, crossed over the line of being dependent on alcohol probably in my early 30s. Like when you knew me a lot, I had, would be, I just maintained a blood alcohol level all day long. Um, for, so you're, you're drunk all the time? Uh, drunk all the time for a decade, but never, never drunk. Never, never, I, I was good at it, right? I get it, I get you it. You know? I mean, so you're saying, what you're saying is, at some point, the Matt that we came to know and love was a loaded Matt, but because that persona was constant, yeah. that's who we learned to accept. So we had no we had no idea. The only time we would actually see it uh, exaggerated was when you went from wherever you were on a daily basis to the next level. Yeah, and and, and the problem is with that is um, once that kicked in, all the alcohol I had before me caught up, and that's when I would play poker, and you guys be like, he's too fucking drunk to deal. You know, so... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Keep talking. I'm, 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 I'm actually looking up the text messages. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, the alcoholic... Um, the, the, I, me as an alcoholic, I um, I desperately wanted um, you guys not to know how bad I was, and I wanted to maintain everything that I thought was okay. Now, of course, my life is crumbling around me, and, and that'll come down real quick towards the end. My health is beginning to decline because you can't drink the way I drank for as long as I did. I I I would always, I, and and this is how I knew things were different. Like I I would meet one of our mutual friends out, and um. And um, I would always have a beer while we were hanging out. Sometimes he wouldn't. And that made no sense to me. And then people would always say, hey, we got to eat before we drink. And that made no sense to me because I'm trying to get the alcohol in me. See, alcohol was my solution to my problem when I was an adolescent of, of just, you know, of feelings that most adolescents have. See, the, the thing about alcohol, an alcoholic like me, or just me, was that when I drank, I drank for the same reasons everyone else did. It's just I can't safely do it. They're like gremlins, right? I'm like, you know, you put water on us, I turn into a fucker. I so, mentioned demons and monsters. Yeah, I mean, but no instructions, right? You just don't know. Um, and ah, the acceptance of it is tough because who wants to be different? Who wants to be left out of, of poker and all these kinds of things? And that's, that's, what you, that's what my mind is telling me, but that's the disease. I honestly, honestly believe that's my brain telling me to drink. I want to come back to childhood here in a second, but here's, here's these are from 2012. <laughs> now you said you, you had your last drink when? Uh, October 15th, 2014. Um, I say to you, seat open for cards tonight. Interested? Nothing. Nothing back from you. 
Nothing back from you at all. That's at 1.37 p.m. At 6.08 p.m., I write back to you, wow, now I know how all your ex-women felt like when they reached out to you. Not even an acknowledgement. It's a sad Monday. You write back, sorry, I have to close tonight, wherever restaurant you were working at, and I was depressed. I was going to miss Gatto's and the whiskey. And I said, as well you should be, LOL. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Not knowing that you're a, an alcoholic mess. Okay, get back to me if you can. We're celebrating our 18th season start of poker. And I make a joke. So far, only one death, one prison term, and four DUIs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you write, where do I rank for drunkest dealer? <laughs> and I write back, winner. <laughs> That was back in 2012. And that was all fun and games and, and ha, 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 because no harms, no fouls. Right. Uh, you weren't one of the deaths. You weren't one of the prison terms. And to the best of my knowledge, you weren't one of the uh, four DUIs that uh, occurred over the 20-plus uh, years that we played poker. And, and those guys learned their lessons fast and quickly as well. They had the misfortune of being pulled over, not necessarily on poker night, but you know, when we were out and about, but I digress. You mentioned earlier, you know, this has been going on since I was in adolescence. And they do say, in this way, I get back into the, not so much the chemistry of it, but back to the, because there's, like I said, there's two schools of thought with the addictive personality. They say some of those addictive personalities stem from issues in childhood, uh, whether it was low self-esteem issues, uh, uh, child abuse, um, sexual abuse, whatever the case might've been. And you said, Ever since I was an adolescence, what was it about your adolescence that you, you said you had your first drink at 13? Did you do that under peer pressure or did you do that as an escape? Oh, no, I wanted to drink. I mean, you know, I was, why? Well, because everyone else was. I, you know, my parents drank. It looked like fun. Um, and when it, when I did, it was it was great. It was social. I was in that crowd. You know, I, I was an athlete. You know, I, I we drank, you know, we partied. So um, it was about acceptance. Yeah. Kind of, but I mean, I never looked at it like, I mean, what the substance did for me was beyond social, man. It was, it was chemical. It was innate. It was visceral. It literally balanced me out. Like I had high anxiety or I had, you know, depression or whatever it was, but it wasn't clinical. It was just adolescence. But what is it about it? Like now when you still get together with mm -hmm. us and play cards from time to time, you're sober, Matt. Yeah. And you're delightful. Well, thank and you, you still got a great sense of humor. And essentially, aside from the drinking, you're the same guy. Yeah. But you but you kind of intimated earlier on in this conversation that you needed, when you played poker or whatever you did with us, you needed to be drinking in order to be part of that group. Well, no. Did no, we do that? No, 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 no. I mean, that's when I first, and actually it wasn't to be part of the group. When I, when I, when I first drank, um, you're saying that though, but when you were drinking, you're saying, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, was there a party that said that you won't like sober Matt, sober Matt won't be fun. Sober Matt won't be, uh, no, the Matt that you guys liked. I mean, is that, is that what no, you're, no, 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 no. When you say it, it released all these things and made you this and that and the other thing. No, no. I mean, I got to really bring it back, man. Just so you get where, where, what, what it does for an alcoholic. And that's why um, when we talk about addiction and addictive personalities, I always bring it back to an alcoholic because an alcoholic is a clinical diagnosis of an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body. So when I first put that drink in me, 
it changed things to a point that there was there was no going back for it was not social it wasn't going to i didn't drink in my 20s for the same reason i drank in my 30s i drank every day for the same reason from the first time i took my first drink was it literally balanced out the world for me but the thing was man it was a lie that's why i'm the same guy now i but that's the disease the di- see people think that alcoholism wants them dead out my alcoholism doesn't want me dead it wants me drunk it doesn't care if i die that's the difference this disease isn't trying to kill me it's trying to keep me drunk i don't know why and i don't give a shit but that's what it wants and that's why it does for me something different than it does for you. And you're saying if it does, or if it would have killed you, the disease itself would have gone, eh, eh, eh. Well, we fucked up. Yeah, we, that's, we, we, we took the boat as far out in the harbor yeah. as we could. We got him, we, you know, I would have been a, 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 as you call a functioning alcoholic, which is basically just means I haven't, I wasn't in the hotel room with a belt around my neck yet. When did you feel it was all starting to, to slip away when you truly lost control when my organs started to shut down um it took that yeah yeah um socially nothing happened you know um well without you know without getting too into who i am and i want to get into who you are well i just my mom got very sick when i was 29 she was a stroke victim and um at that point um i i got together with 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 a, a young lady um and I basically took her hostage and made her my wife because I was absolutely scared shitless. I was at your wedding. Yes, yeah. And um, I was the drunkest guy there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, so um, that, that was really the start. I could see, I could, so there was that consequence. There was an OMVI in my 20s. There was an OMVI in my early 30s. Um, there was the failed marriage that was failed from the beginning. Why was it failed from the beginning? Because I'm an alcoholic. Did she know that? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think she knew as I, I was as sick as I was. Um, I don't think she knew I had been drinking as heavily as I had been for as long as I had. Um, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't speak to what what she. Knew. And did you hide that from her while you during the let's call it courtship? I didn't hide it from her, but I wasn't forthcoming. Um, you know, I I drank all day every day, and either you knew or you didn't. I didn't really care. Um, you know, because in, in, in my career where, where I was tasting and doing things professionally, it didn't matter. I was allowed to. Once I had that first alcohol on my breath, it was allowed. You know, I had my spit bucket or whatever it was I was doing. You know, I, I, I worked in the alcohol field. So um, when, when, the, when it really started hitting was um, probably about two years um, and, and, my, and my mom was very, very sick, and she was. And I, the reason is because she passed away um, when I was in my what we call a bottom when I was when I was drinking suicidally. Um, but um, I could feel um, I started to have bad bloat. My liver, my liver uh, stopped, was, was starting to shut down. My kidneys were starting to shut down. My skin was beginning uh, to get really bad. My uh, immune system wasn't working the way it was supposed to. I know it varies from person to person, and you know you're 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 a, a skinny guy. You mentioned five foot six, six, and how much? Do you, what do you weigh? A buck forty. Buck forty now. Buck 40 now? Yeah. Oh wow! You put on ten pounds. <laughs> okay, but uh, and I know it's different for every person. But um, how much were you drinking at the height of your alcoholism? At the at the height of my alcoholism, I was drinking no less than three bottles of wine a day. Three bottles of wine. Mm-hmm. Okay, now some people will will give wine a pass. Drinks a drink. Six ounces of wine. 
12 ounces of beer, an ounce, ounce and a quarter of liquor. It doesn't matter. You can get it any, either way, any way you want. I, I, I worked more in the wine industry, so that was my free booze. Um, you know, also, um, I, I drank whiskey way too quick. Um, and so if I'm going to maintain 12, 13 hours of drinking, um, then I am going to, uh, I want to need to do something relatively low in alcohol. Yeah. See, I was absolutely, it, when you, when you drink the way I drank, um, towards the end, you don't, you don't hang over, you withdraw, um, you get DTs and you seizure out and you know, things of that nature. So I needed to maintain blood alcohol. Don't alcohol. get me wrong. Three bottles of wine every day is a shitload of it's wine. It's plenty. It's a shitload of wine, but <laughs> it's plenty. But but a lot of people, you 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 know what I'm saying? With people have that facade, like, well, it's only I only have a couple glasses of wine every call day. Call it twelve vodka tonics. It's the exact same thing. You, you call it twelve vodka tonics, and uh, two or three bottles of wine. One has one sounds harsher than yeah. the other. Well, one sounds. I mean, that's the that's one of the things about quitting alcohol that's so difficult. Is it's so acceptable. I mean, you guys can do it safely god bless you enjoy um so it's allowed um and with wine tastings the culture that i helped create or uh-huh. at least do a little right. bit is it's acceptable let's 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 have a few there this is educational this is sophisticated we're learning about the wine the yeah. reason that it came from absolutely and, and, and i'm a fucking expert on it yeah you know and in and, and, and drunker than anyone there but no one knew I've had so many people that tell me they didn't, they didn't know how bad I I'm was. I'm telling you, as your friend and somebody who played cards, I knew when you were drunk playing poker, but you're telling me any other time I saw you doing your thing at the restaurant and 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 and, and coming up to us and explaining everything, you're telling me you were hammered. I'm telling you, I was always had alcohol in my system. Hammered is kind of, I think that gives people the, the, maybe the wrong impression. All right, it's an but extreme I, word. I'll I give you always, that. always had alcohol in my system. You never saw me without alcohol in me until I saw you after I, I got sober. Wow. Ever. My ex-wife never saw me sober until I saw her twice once when we got divorced, and then I saw her uh, a little while back, and that was the only time she ever saw me sober. And was it booze that ruined the marriage? It was Matt that ruined the marriage. It was Matt that ruined the marriage. It was Matt. So that's interesting. You don't blame. You don't. You don't put the responsibility on the alcohol. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Um, is that an out? Oh when, God! When, yeah. No, no. Is that an out when people say, "Oh man, well, you know, uh, my marriage went down to tubes because I was boozing." I can't speak for other people. You know, I can tell you that um, alcohol is, is, is a symptom of my problem. Uh, my problem is Matt. Um, my, and, 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 once, and once I was able to look at what the problem was, see, that's the challenge is um, I can't safely put alcohol in me, yet every once in a while I'm still going to want to drink. You know, very passingly, how do I now live a life that doesn't compel me to have to escape myself? You mentioned earlier about you know childhood trauma and things of that nature see if i can kind of break this down and and just so you got a person who goes through childhood trauma now that person isn't an alcoholic but they drink but they end up going down a path of opiates well then they out, they're automatically going to be addicted or dependent on those, and they're doing it to get out on themselves. Then you have that same person, and they go to drinking, and they're not an alcoholic, and they go to drugs, and that doesn't give them the out. But then they go to cutting because that's what that's right. their escape, okay? Or this one goes to overeating. And the thing is, is we take this and we 
put them all together, but the disease of alcoholism, and I don't know about the other ones, and I can't talk about them because I don't have that, but the disease of alcoholism, which I do have, is very singular to, to the beverage of alcohol. Um, I can't safely put it in me. Um, that's the that's the allergy of the body. So then uh, keeping the first drink out of me is the absolute imperative thing, and that's that's where I need to work nothing on but Matt. Interesting. And like I said, you come in and still play cards with us. And you're in a house right now, as you mentioned earlier, that's that's got booze everywhere. Tempted? No. Never tempted? I've never been tempted because the booze has been around me. Um, but I've been tempted driving in my car because I got into my own head. Explain that again now. Well, see... These bottles of booze don't have any temptation to me because I'm sitting here having a great conversation with friends. Right. You know, everything's everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be, and that's cool. But if I'm driving in my car and something gets in my head, I get all butthurt over a girl or something else, then all of a sudden, I need relief. We all need relief, So right? you're saying that's when the urge to maybe pull over, you're, you're, you're in some town where nobody knows you, and that's when the urge might be to pull over to some liquor store? and get a bottle when you're inside your own head it doesn't it, yeah i mean, I mean i'm being a little dramatic when i sure, say that sure sure yeah but i'm trying to make a point I, i'm pretty far down the fucking path if i went that far <laughs> but no where the where i just want to get out of so you want to get out of yourself on a on a junior varsity level it's not like i was abused as a child and i need to escape that pain but i just got my heart broken or my dog just died or something like that and the pain is just fucking overwhelming i just want to get out of it i need to have alternatives besides drinking i need to remember what drinking will do to me i need to remember all these things because once i put that first drink in me i am absolutely fucked like i haven't done it but i've seen people go back out the phenomenon of craving kicks back in which is where my body will compel me to drink to black out like i need more you need more you need more you need more and it's visceral and i can't stop it and then i wake up the next day and I'm remorseful of the things I've done, and then I drink again because of that. The obsession of the mind's kicked in, and my alcoholism is off and running. So it's just about keeping that first drink out of me. And that's why the disease of alcoholism is different from just flat-out addiction. Damn. So let me ask you this. What's, what's taking its place? That's a great question. Um, it seems that people uh, who have a drinking problem or any type of problem, when they when they rid themselves of that particular, and I can use the word addiction, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. If they rid themselves of that particular addiction. Sometimes they they focus on something uh, obviously more positive mm -hmm. and and better for their overall well being. But it also becomes a bit of a uh, of a passion and addiction as well, but in a positive sense. Like some people go, you know, full ass crazy in the gym. Yeah. You don't strike me as the gym type. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I want a drink. Uh, now <laughs> so what's taking what's taking its place? You know, the uh, I can answer that, but it, I'm going to get to it this way: is that nothing will take the place of alcohol because I don't have a need for alcohol. Okay. Right? But what I need, what, 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 what yeah, what, what's my life going to do? Obviously, um, my career changed, um, which was awesome. Um, I, I found something new. It was, and that's fantastic. Um, although I did work in the field sober, um, but I lost the passion for it. I couldn't, there's a craft to, 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 to what I used to do um, that, that not that I participate, that the, 
in the winemaking, I couldn't get involved in the tasting anymore. So all the passion was gone. It was just a flipping job. So um, wow, that's interesting. You couldn't do that job. You couldn't do that job sober. I did that job sober. Um, and you uh, sucked at it. I didn't suck at it. I actually had a really good job, big corporation. But I, um, I, I just it was just I've been doing it for twenty seven years. You know, I. And that's one thing is, um, I will tell you this, um, a lot of folks that get into the, um, the, the beverage industry, um, the, the, the consensus is I became an alcoholic when I got in here and I absolutely know I structured my career so I could drink because I was absolutely petrified of not drinking. See, um, what replaced it for me, um, was recovery. Um, you know, um, I'm going by the name, Matt. Um, I work a program of recovery, um, it ain't fucking hard to find. So um, I had nothing when I um, when I bottomed out. Um, I'll tell you about whenever you want. I'll tell you about what happened. But I, I was released from the hospital, um, and I had no job and I had no place to live. Um, my mom had just died about three months prior. I had just about almost died myself. Um, so um, my only job was deciding, and I have to state this very unequivocally: deciding whether I wanted to live or not. And that meant that I was going to have to try to not drink. Um, and I couldn't do that on my own. So I needed help. And for the first about nine months, that's what I did. I delivered pizzas. I lived at my parents' house and I worked a program of recovery to the best of my ability. So you didn't want to die. I wanted to die, um, up until, uh, the moment I, I, um, you thought I got, you were going to die. No, no, I wanted to die then too. Um, the only, I, uh, when I was being wheeled out of the hotel on the stretcher, I looked over at my sister and I told her I wanted to live. And I remember saying that. It was one of the only things I really remember, but um, I don't recall believing it when I said it, which is strange. Go on. Continue with that. Um, oh, you want to know, like, how bad it got? I want to know. Well, I want to, I want to, you, when you said you didn't believe it when you said it, I want to live. I don't know, man. I don't know. The words came out Did of my Did you say it? Did you say it to comfort her? No. I said it, it, it didn't. You, you know how I talk about Matt's the problem? Right. This didn't come from Matt. I was, I, 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 I was bleeding out. I had ruptured my esophagus and I was bleeding out. And I just looked over and I said, I want to live. And, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, rec- I, I just, I, 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 remember, I remember it so well because it was almost like I heard it. I didn't say it. All right, let's talk about bottoming out. Let's 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 get down to the to the real ugly of all this. All right, so um, late late thirteen, um, the physical um, ramifications really started to pull hold, um, and I had a hernia, um, and I went to get surgery, but my heart rate was over one hundred and sixty, and they knew I was drunk, so they refused to, to operate on me. Um, through a series of some other events, uh, just just blackouts and things that I really don't remember. Um, I ended up, um, in rehab, um, and I checked myself out. Mutual friend picked us up, picked me up. I had, I, I checked out early cause I need to put my life together. There was no life to put together. I had lost my job and I came home to no house. Um, so I decided that, um, I would pull this all together and I moved into a hotel. Um, and I remember I walked into that hotel room and I said, I'm not going to die in here. And, I knew I was going to die in there. Um, this was in March, and in in coming up a couple weeks of my birthday in May, I turned forty. But three days before that, my mom finally passed. Um, and at that point, um, alcohol had stopped 
working for me and that confused the shit out of me it stopped working for me a while back i couldn't get drunk i couldn't get sober it didn't work anymore um so i made it had to be maddening it was maddening and i made a conscious decision that it was time for matt to go um but i my dad had just lost his wife my sister just lost his mom uh her mom and i wasn't going to uh make it messy so i just uh i just proceeded to drink myself to death um and it it wasn't going quick enough. Um, so one night I beta tested. Um, this was right after Robin Williams killed himself. And I said, well, heck, that seems plausible. So I started to put together a plan. And I s- saw if I, I, I did. I don't believe that I would have ever attempted suicide. I either would have killed myself or not. But I was trying to drink myself to death. But I beta tested that little, little project. And I thought, well, if this doesn't end soon enough, I got a way out then. And uh, on the morning that I actually bottomed out, I called my sister and I, 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 I could feel, I could literally feel my, my, my essence, my soul starting to slip away. And I asked her to come sit with me. And So you uh, called your sister because you didn't want to die alone? Yeah. Yeah. But you were dying. I mean, and that's uh, that's not melodramatic. I I was dying. I um, I was I, w- I was at this point shaking and convulsing and seizures and. Was there anything? I mean, I mean and maybe it might be hard to recollect at, the, at at this point. But was there anything deep down inside of you that you know you said you didn't want to die alone? By calling your sister, was there maybe something deep, deep, deep inside of you that that was saying, if I call my sister? Maybe I, I, I won't die. I believe that there was, for whatever... Not so much I don't want to die alone. I just, maybe if I... if There were forces working beyond me that had me make a phone call that I had... I, I had no cognitive thought of what you're saying, but yeah, somewhere underneath, b- b- below maybe. where I could even touch it. Yes, because I'm here today. Right. Some part of me either wanted me or I wanted to be here and I don't pretend to know. And I, I'm not a religious man, but some shit happened because um, I because 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 I was done. I was done. So you called your sister. Yeah. And uh, I had her uh, I had her come up and we ended up going up to the bar because I was shaking so bad. And I was I was I didn't have enough wine in the apartment or the hotel room. And um, I have esophageal varices um, from throwing up and, and drinking so much acid um, that um, I ruptured um, and started to bleed out. So Jesus she, Christ. she called the ambulance and, um, and, 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 and I lost about a third of my blood and, and, and was in ICU for, for 11 days. And, or I was, I was in the hospital for 11 days. I, ICU was a portion of it. I don't know. I was at the DT so bad. I, I lost my fucking mind. If you've never had, or I mean, you probably have. No, no, I <laughs> The no. delirium tremors. Um, I had wet brain. I was literally. Well, dr- you had what? Wet brain. What's a wet brain? A wet brain is when I, your brain is just, just, I was going literally insane. I was killing my brain with alcohol. I was, I was, I was insane. I had no idea what was going on. I was hallucinating and it, it, it was, I was. I, I was shutting down on all capacities. It was it was it was really bad. Tell me about the DTs. What's what's for? Uh, I was convinced there was cats all everywhere. There was a party going on. Um, I, I then at one point I was convinced I had bottles of Riesling by my bed and I was sharing them with everyone. Um, I here you go. I haven't told this one for a second. Um, when I was in ICU. I was convinced that I was getting interviewed for a hotel job, um, and I didn't understand why the people kept strapping me down. Um, I told my sister this, and she told me exactly what happened, that 
I was getting a blood transfusion and I had chewed my way through the IV, went to the center of the ICU and took a shit on the middle of the floor. I don't remember any of it. I, was, I did not get the job at the hotel. I was going to say, I'm assuming <laughs> you did not. I'm assuming that you did not. <laughs> Thank you. We decided to go with somebody else who doesn't shit on our floor. <laughs> I really liked him until he took a shit. Yeah, I, I thought he had a good chance. <laughs> Matt, it was, the job was yours until you just just shit on the floor. It's like, if it was more solid, would it have been better? <laughs> the consistency issues. I mean, oh, my just, God. <laughs> Yeah, so that's um, but that was that was as low as it got. I I, I, I don't know how you get much lower, other than uh, other than dying. Yeah, and but you didn't. No, I didn't. You mentioned you're not a religious man. Has has religion come into any of this? No, has, no, not at all. No, a not lot of people because a lot of people go that way. No, um, you know, part of part of um, recovery. Um, is introspection, um, and 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 part of that um, for me has been acknowledging that I'm not in control of much. I'm definitely not the center of the universe, and that there is a power greater than myself. And and and, and having having faith in the fact that that there is there is something else out there um, that that's a personal thing, right? But right. it's not dogmatic. Um, it's it's God by default. It's not me. God by default. Yeah, as long as it's just not me, anything but me, not not a human thing. Just it doesn't have to be tangible. It doesn't have to be definable. It just can't be. Do you me. believe in God? Oh yeah, I definitely believe in God. I do now. I never yeah. did before. Yeah, really, never believed in him before. I never believed he cared about me. Okay, let's put it that oh, way. Yeah. I didn't have a religious background. I didn't have. I didn't have a, a theological basis for it. All right. Um. So it was. If there was a God, things would have been a lot better. Kind of attitude. Um, so you're saying if there was a God, he wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have. He, I wouldn't have gone this far down this path if there was a God. You see, or, the, or, the, the thing is, or like did, I said, it didn't. He, it didn't. He didn't come into play. It didn't come into play. And the other thing is, is and I'm not trying to make this about religion. No, God, no. I'm just trying to, to, to like I say now. Do you believe in God? And you go, Oh yeah, I do. But you know, while you were going through all this. No. Did the big guy ever come into play? No. Well, did he come into play? All the way. But did, 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 did I invoke him? No. 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 Um, and You didn't uh, ask him. You didn't uh, On your deathbed, you didn't ask him to save your life. No. No, 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 no. God, no. I don't want to die. No. I. The only time, the first time, and I'll, I'll tell you this, the first time I acknowledged the presence of God was, um, I, I was it was suggested to me that maybe I, I pray every once in a while. Um, and just, a, you know, a simple... God, thank you, or, you know, maybe God, I'd like not to drink today, if you could help me with that. And I remember saying one of these, and I was in the shower, and I, I said one of these, and I felt like a piece of shit, because I was like, man, I don't even believe in God. And just a really soft little voice in my head said, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you know, people tell me, uh, you know, I get that too, you know, you should pray. I don't really pray, per se, but I come from a, a Greek Orthodox background where, where church was very important in, in, in our upbringing. And my mother insists that, it, you know, well, you've been down to, down the, my basement, you know, in that little corner, oh, yeah. there, there's, there's, a, there's some icons there. Now I say that they're there because my mother wants them to be there, but there's a part of me that probably would have put them there anyway. Yes. When she comes to visit, she gets very happy that she sees the icons, but sometimes 
sometimes I go down there and I don't so much pray as I have a chat. Yeah. You know, as I like, you know, things are going kind of shitty right now and here's what's going on. And I, I, this is how I always start. I don't want to bother you. <laughs> I don't want to bother you. I know you got a lot of other stuff on your plate right now, but here's what's going on. And if you do exist, which I believe he does, if you could cast a watchful eye and and do whatever you do to help me have a little clarity, that would be greatly appreciated. I understand if you don't, does it happen today? You're busy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got things to do. You know, there's wars, there's famines, there's, there's, you know, there's all kind of stuff going on in the world. But, you know, just in case. So I don't really pray, per se. I don't get down on my knees and clasp my hands and, 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 and pray. But I do go down there and have the occasional chat. So, and I remember there was a priest that told me, he goes, that's probably the most sincerest form of prayer that there is. Without a doubt. I mean, um, a conversation with, with God as you understand God is just that. He's, it's not how you say it. It's the act of saying it. There's a humility implied when you're speaking to, to, to something in any, in any tone, in any, I mean, you know, it, 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 for me, it's the humility of it. I mean, my, 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 my acknowledgments to that is, are basically, I love you, I trust you, and I thank you. Like, I, I, I'm appreciative of, of this, this, this new lease on life I was given. I'm appreciative of the life I had before. You know, if I, I, I being an alcoholic in recovery, I, I have a purpose um, of, of, of sitting here and talking to you um, that there is opportunity to, to move past it, um, there is the opportunity to get healthy. Um, that's, that is the best thing. Is that as far as you go with it? There's an opportunity to get healthy. There's an opportunity to get better. Do you get preachy? Um, I sure as heck try not to be um, because no one was going to preach to me. Right. Um, I needed every drop of alcohol I had to get sober. Um, no one was going to make me stop drinking and no one is going to start me drinking. This is a mat deal. So right. if somebody want the, there are a lot of people that need to stop, but the people that want to stop are the people that, that I, I'm, I'm most able to help. It's when someone comes to me, and when someone comes to me, I don't talk to them about their alcoholism. I tell them about mine. Mm -hmm. Because if they can identify with me, then they can identify with the disease that they have. And if they, you can identify the problem, then you can work on the solution. Well, what about if, you, if somebody comes to you, and this is just my dark sense of humor, somebody comes to you, and they think they have a problem, they're an alcoholic, and they hear your story, and they go, well, shit, I'm not as bad as that guy, and they go back on their merry way. Well, that's, that's um, <laughs> tons of people do that. I, and I say, if you need to take the elevator that low, I can tell you where the hotel is, man. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, um, what, what, what can be done is, is, is the bar can be left a little higher so you don't have to go that low, but I need to go that low. Because there's always, you know, I've, just, I, I, I've said this before, and I've, maybe I've even said it on the podcast, I think I did, you know, we, we all love a good rationalization uh, on, over the course of any given day. And I would imagine with alcoholism, there are tons of rationalizations as to why, 
you drank how much you drank and what you did and, and, and so forth and so on. And, and rationalizations, I always say, are like bowel movements. You need at least one good one every day yeah. in order to, to feel a little bit better about yourself. So uh, was there alcoholism in your family? You know, I think I know my great I know my grandfather was on um, on my mom's side. And um, so do you go with the whole do you, do you blame any out of it on genetics? Do I think, oh gosh, do I blame it on genetics? No. Um, do I think, uh, listen, man, it's in here. I right, mean, right. I, I, I'm, I'm, we've I'm, established that. I'm so I'm, I'm five foot six by genetics. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm got brown hair and brown eyes by genetics. Um, I didn't catch this, so it was in there. Whether it skipped everyone in my immediate family, I don't fucking know. I mean, you know, I know that the people that are in my direct family now that are alive aren't alcoholics. I don't know about my mom. Um, I loved her very much, and I, 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 I mean, even though I'm anonymous here, I, I don't want to, I don't know if my mom was or not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And your father wasn't? My father isn't. Isn't? No. Your father's still with yeah. us? Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and my sister isn't. How'd your father react to all that? When you were going through all that, it went, I mean, as a, as a, as was he a good dad? Let me ask you that. Fantastic, fantastic dad. I, I talked to him today. I talked to him a lot. So that had to have just about killed him. Well, you got to remember, he was dealing with his wife dying slowly over a decade. She had just uh, passed uh, away, and I bottomed out. He didn't know how bad I was until until the very end. And once again, I'm I'm being devil's advocate here. Yeah. Do you really think he didn't know, or did he just not want to admit how bad it was? I don't know. You don't we, know? We've, we've never had a conversation about that. And do you ever think he will? If he wants to. Um, what I'll never do is, um, what I will, will never try to do is, is, is allow me to get comfort by making somebody else uncomfortable for the activity or the behavior I did. So... Um, I have no right cleansing my soul and hurting another human being. Like when, when I, I, I can't tell you how many times um, over this past three years and seven months I've gotten these just overwhelming um, realizations of, of how bad I really treated my ex-wife. And not, not physically, it was just how much I, I stole from her as far as her time and ability to have a good life and how compelled I am to call her up sometimes and just tell her I'm sorry, but that's not my place, you know. Um, Why isn't it? Well, because I don't... Why, what's, what's wrong with... I mean... I got to really think about those person's feelings. Do they want Matt to show up on their step? Do they want those feelings right. brought... So if they come to me, and, 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 and when she did come to me, to, to, she, she found something that she wanted to give to me, I had the, uh, the forum to, to kind of add to that and really share some of these things I was telling you about. Right. But when I had the... the the initial thoughts to him, I, I, I did not act on him because that would be selfish. And, and that's, and that's and if I do something selfish today, then I may feel bad about that. I might need to get relief from myself and then the damn disease can sneak wow, in. Yeah. So it's, it's about living a that's life. A, that's a really vicious circle. It is. It is. It's about, it's about living. And that's why if I do something like these amends we talked about, um, if I do something in real time, I need to apologize and acknowledge for it immediately so it doesn't fester. So you're saying on, on some level, uh, that part of it, making amends, can almost be selfish. Oh, it most definitely can. In fact, that's um, there are many different 12-step programs, um, and we should... Um, we should be working with guidance. Um, I'm not going to go too much into the program recovery, but it's easy to find. And if anyone wants to find it, they can get 
all the answers in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, right now, I'm, uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And if anybody's listening to this and going like, okay, and it, and it kicked in and sunk through, all the better. But I'm kind of fascinated by your story on two different levels. One, just from hearing how gut-wrenching and how traumatic and how devastating and how bottomed out you got I'm listening to you. I mean, I know who you are, but I'm there's part of me that's listening to Matt Anonymous. And there's another part of me that's listening to Matt, the guy I've known for 20 years, and hearing some of these things for the first time. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. No idea. I mean, I knew when I'd heard through our collective grapevine of friends that you were in bad shape. Yeah. But to hear it detailed to this level, uh, it, it breaks my heart. I, it, it breaks my heart. But by the same time, uh, I'm now I'm smiling because we're sitting here across from each other and we're talking about it. Yeah. Because you're you're here, and I, I don't know what I don't know what the message or the lesson is in that except. Uh, I consider you to be a friend and I'm thankful. Thank you. So thank you for not checking out. <laughs> thank you for having that moment where you said, I, I don't want to die. Um, I'm going to ask you a hard question. Yeah. If things were to go completely awry yeah. in your life mm -hmm. right now, or five years from now, would it be alcohol that would kill you? It'd be Matt. It'd be Matt again. It'd be Matt. It'd be Matt. And I, um, Matt's not allowed to check out on his own accord. So um, for me to drink would be suicide. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So um, I'm saying if you were if you if you wanted to check out of this world, oh, I I. That's that's that doesn't exist anymore. That's good. That does that. There's not. I said even, it was a tough question. Yeah, it, it, you're right. You know, I I lost my best friend um, to a suicide when I was 25, and what that did for me is it made it tangible. Mm -hmm. it, it made it a possibility. Um, and uh, but you also said you beta tested. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. The, yeah, I was there. Suicide. I was there. I was there. I and again, I won't say attempted. I was. I was just. I was just. I, I was formulating a plan, yeah. which is about as dangerous as it gets. Um, so I um. And that was beyond the drinking, you know, that I was hoping was just going to end it. No, there's, it's, there is nothing more inconceivable to me now than thinking about checking out on my own accord in any way. Um, remembering that alcohol equals death to me is challenging. Um, not it's challenging if I don't do what I need to do. See, the, the thing is, and I, 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 I don't know how we are on time, but... Don't worry about time. Once, Talk. once you get better, uh -huh. like life became amazing for me. My life is so much better than I ever could have thought it could have been before. That you can almost get complacent. And I have to, re I have to talk. I have to share my story. I have to help another alcoholic if I can to re to stay useful uh -huh. and to remind me of what happens because it's so fucking good. Like I can't compliment this night with a drink, right? Right. Right. I can't. But I can do anything else. The world's open. It's amazing. And 
it's just based on acknowledging the problem for me and being willing to do what was necessary to get past it. It's, it, it's, I, I couldn't imagine a scenario where I wouldn't want to be here if I'm supposed to be here. Right. That's pretty awesome. And life is good right now. Life is fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, it's not perfect. No. But, um, you know, I, and I will say this um, because I think it's important and I don't give a shit if it, if it gives too much away. Um, I have cirrhosis um, and I developed that. And when I came into the, um, when I, when I, um, when I got, when I got out of the hospital, I had a very high MELD score and I was on the transplant list. I MELD score. It's a, the male clinic and liver disease okay. stage. Right. I needed, I needed a new liver um, and um, I needed to go on the list and I just didn't, feel I wanted to go down that path and and I and I and I asked my doctor if he could get me in somewhere and he actually got me in the Cleveland Clinic and I went up there and the doctor looked at me and he goes you don't look that bad you think you can not drink for six months I said well sure as hell try and I came back and I've been going back to see him and um, my liver has gotten to the point where I don't need a transplant it's not healthy um but perfect it's, but it's on the way back it well it, it i don't it, it it is rejuvenated to a certain point i don't ask a lot of questions he just i just i'm on checkup now if i don't drink alcohol alcohol will not kill me and that is a goddamn miracle and that my friends i think is where we're gonna end this particular podcast on the word miracle um I want to thank Matt. Thank you, buddy, You're for welcome. being so open, so candid, so brutally honest. I mean, to the point where I, I'm going to be thinking about this for for the days to come. This conversation and 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 listen back to this podcast in a in a very thoughtful manner. But thank you, thank you for I I, I think anybody who listens to whiskey business will know that this is a very special podcast this time around. And I got to think that out there in the podcast universe that someone's going to take this story to heart and it, and it actually will help somebody. So if they can identify with it, then they can identify. With kudos it. to you, my yeah. friend, you know, if, Thank if, you. if you even get one person on board, right? Hey, yeah. Anyone who wants it, it's available. If, if, if something of this resonated with you and there's a little bit of hope there, Grab onto it, man. And if, and, and if if not, maybe it'll just stick there and, and it'll it'll fuck with you for a few months <laughs> and it'll get in there, you know. But. All right. Well, let me let me say what I what I always say at the end of one of these. Whiskey business is a never the luck production um, recorded with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. I want to thank our sponsors, the law firm of Saya and Pyatt, Marcus Crosswood Cinema, and of course my uh, producer. Greg Hansberry, who puts all this magic together. Uh, thank you to Matt, and thank you to all of you out there who, who listen to Whiskey Business. If um, if you do listen to Whiskey Business on a regular basis, we ask that you uh, rate us and review us on, on iTunes and share it with your friends and your family. And if you can share this one with somebody who might be in need by all means uh you have our, our blessings in that respect so until the next bottle or not <laughs> <laughs> see ya
Hello everyone, my name is Tom Kearns and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.